Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us again for another session on Global Answers. And today we're going into a subject of that which is hidden. And God loves to hide and reveal. And so consequently, we're going to go into that subject matter today because as we've discussed with you so often, there is something that's been revealed in this last day. And we want to take you on a search through the scriptures to show you how that God hides and reveals and what is our role in the hiding and revealing. And so, of course, as you already saw in the opening shot, Jeff is with us today in the studio, and he's the one that's going to kind of take this subject and run with it for us, and I just may ask him a question or two along the way. So, Jeff, if you want to take it. Sure enough. Greetings. It's good to be back with you. Uh, we've been in uh, sunny Florida on a little bit of a vacation, and uh, we're all refreshed and ready to go. And we want to talk about a hidden treasure, and the Bible actually uses the term, the, a treasure hidden. Now, Jesus is referring to a parable. He says, the, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure hidden in a field. And a man was walking along in the field, and he says, lo and behold, perhaps there was this huge oak tree, and beside this gnarly oak underneath the roots was this beautiful treasure. He opens up the box, and it's filled with jewels and all forms of valuables, and he says to himself, I'm going to sell everything that I own to buy this land to get this treasure. Now, Jesus is making a very good uh, example and illustration. I'm going to read you the scripture. So if you've got your Bible, it's in, it's in Matthew 13, 44, and it just says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven, now that's the sphere of mankind within the framework of religion, the sphere of professing, professing uh, Christian people, professing religious people. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. So somebody hid it. In this case, it's God. Hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth it, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So the man goes from perhaps being uh, a pauper somebody who has nothing, to selling everything that he ever owned to buy the field to get the treasure, which would make him an incredibly wealthy man. So in other words, he had to, he had to let go of something. He sold everything he had. He had to let go of something to gain something that he deemed more valuable. This is a principle that we have to understand with God. God's going to ask us throughout our lifetime to let go of things. We have a song that we sing, Let Go and Let God Have His Wonderful Way. So God is going to ask us in our lifetime to let go of a lot of things. When every one of us, perhaps I'm talking to many Christians, when you went to the altar, maybe it was in an automobile or a church, you let go of some of the things of your life. You let go. Well, you had intended when you went to the altar to let go of everything. But most of us don't, do we? And so along life's journey, God is continually asking us to let go of more. Well, this man found a treasure. Now, I want you to notice also that he stumbled upon the treasure. He was just walking in a field. It was like any other field. He was walking in it, and he found the treasure. That is much like how truth comes to us. See, we are not, as human beings, we're fallen. The Bible says our minds are alienated from God. That means we're enemies of God by birth. 
That's why we have to be born again. So our first birth, our first birth makes us enemies of God in our mind. The Bible says that if God were to present the truth to us in our carnal state, we wouldn't receive it. So then God has to, he hides the truth. We then, in every heart of man, in every human being that is born, there's something inside of them that says, what's the meaning of life? But that's the broad brush. That's what the Bible calls the broad way. And a lot of people choose the broad way. But then there's what Jesus referred to as the narrow way and few there be that find it. Most people want a religion of convenience. This man found a treasure. It was valuable to him. He placed a price on it and he was willing to sell everything. So what we're gonna go into today is to find out, one is, is that God allows you to stumble upon a treasure. Think about it this way. Remember the woman at the well? She was a prostitute. She had five husbands. She was there at a different time of the hour because only the women of prostitution came at one hour and the faithful women came at another hour. Jesus told his disciples, I have needs to go by Samaria. So now here he is, Jesus, going by Samaria. The disciples went to go look for some food. They, they thought they were going to go get food for Jesus. He sent them on their way so he could talk to this woman. The, Jesus, in talking to the woman, begins to reveal to her the very thoughts and intents of her heart and even her past. The woman stumbled upon Jesus, but Jesus didn't stumble upon her. We sometimes, truth, in fact, all times, truth crosses our path. We weren't with our great intellect and our great abilities running and seeking after ultimate truth because truth is not on the inside of us. When we're lost, this is one of the arrogant positions that man takes, that somehow he, by his wisdom and his prudence, can find truth. The, Jesus said, I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and have delivered it, revealed unto babes, such as will learn. So we find that God doesn't come to the wise heart or to the wise mind or to the self-sufficient. I was, uh, as you were talking, my mind may have gone in a different direction yeah. than yours, Jeff, but my... I thought of the beginning of the Reformation, mm -hmm. and here was a Roman Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther, right. who was totally frustrated. In fact, he said, I hate God, yeah. because he saw certain commandments in the scripture, and he could not, could not found he personally could not live or keep, the, keep those commandments. I hate God. Right. And, but but in, in his resolution of uh, hating God, he still knew there was a God, right? But wanted, but kept serving Him, and and then through the grace of God, without going into all the details, he stumbled across the truth of justification. Yes, the just are saved by faith and not the works that he thought right. they were going to be saved by, justified yes. by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so once he stumbled onto that. Initially, he didn't want to sell all he had. Right. He wanted to show other people his treasure. Yeah. But they weren't interested. Yeah. But he was not about to forfeit this treasure in the Word of God that he right. had found. That's right. So he found that to to get maintain this treasure, he had to forfeit all. He did. He had to give up his priesthood. He had to give up his uh, association with with the church he was in, the Roman Church, and and therefore forsaking all to gain this treasure of justification by faith that he knew because it was by faith and faith comes by hearing yes. and hearing by the word yeah. that that he could not hold on yeah. to the tradition of the church 
and yet take hold of the treasure that he, that he had found, and Jesus paid it all. And so he had to forsake all to move in that direction. I hope I didn't no, take the wrong direction. Absolutely ideal. And, and, and what I find amazing is, is that truth in itself, that religion often stands in the way of truth. Isn't mm -hmm. it amazing? Oh, yeah. Here's Martin Luther, who, who uh, at first had thought out of sincerity that he was in the truth. Right. Only to find that the very message or the very church that he was in was in contradiction to the truth itself. Right. And what a paradigm shift for Martin Luther to have to go from um, being a devout monk and following what he thought was the will of God to find out that most of it was man's theology and superstitions and not the will of God or the thoughts of God whatsoever. And it reminds me of the scripture that Jesus spoke, and I've got it written down here, and I want to read it to you. It's John, it's Matthew 12, 42. And it says here that the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Now, Jesus is referring to the Sadducees and Pharisees. They have seen all forms of miracles. They've seen the dead raised, the, the eyes of the blind open. They have seen, you name it, they have seen it. The Bible said in one place, multitudes were healed instantaneously. And yet they were stalwartly withstanding and, 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 and fighting the truth. And so Jesus condemned the cities that had rejected Jesus on the basis of the Queen of Sheba. And what we found was is that the Queen of Sheba, who didn't obviously even live in Jerusalem, had heard about the wisdom of Solomon. He had heard, she had heard that perhaps uh, people would come back to the Queen and say, Queen, you've got to meet this man. He's the mightiest king that Israel has ever had. He's the richest king that Israel has ever had. And he also can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. While I would start a subject and he'd finish it for me. I would start talking about something in my life, and he would reveal everything to me. And so the Queen of Sheba wanted to sit under the man, this great Solomon, that knew everything about the heart of mankind. So she says, in her own words, and the Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment, Jesus said, with this generation and shall condemn it. So get the picture now. The Queen of Sheba on the day of judgment is going to stand and judge the city of Tyre and the city of Jerusalem because, goes on to say, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And so she she'd heard somebody told her about the wisdom of Solomon. In a sense, we'll say she stumbled upon that. She could have said, hey, great man. Well, that's great. I'm glad Israel's got a good king. She didn't do that. She said, there's something supernatural going on here. Mm -hmm. There's a God behind this king. And I want to meet this God through this king. Mm -hmm. But that, that statement of greater, greater than Solomon is here. You have to pardon me. I guess I must yeah. be on a, a one-track thought nah, uh, today, but forgive me for that. But again, my mind goes back to the ages, the church, church yeah. seven church ages yeah. of Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we know that each of those uh, seven churches, Ephesus through Laodicea, are typed in, in history. We can just lay them over, over history and yeah. see how God took the church through those ages. And then, like I illustrated before with uh, uh, Martin Luther and finding the treasure of justification by faith. But then when John Wesley came on the scene, the father of the Methodist movement, yeah. uh, hundreds of years later, really, yeah. when he came on the scene, then, then a greater than Luther, 
was on there the scene yeah. because he believed in justification by faith, but he found in the scripture the further truth of, of sanctification. Beautiful. And how that, how that uh, a person can be cleansed from the desire to sin by this grace of God called sanctification, which says the scripture says we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. And so, so again, Luther carried forward with him, though believing in justification by faith, then he had the fear of works yeah. because that's what he'd come out of. Yeah. And he didn't, he knew that you cannot be saved by works. Right. And so then Luther came, excuse me, Wesley came along then teaching uh, sanctification again by faith. It's by always faith. by faith. It is. That this work of God can take pl a place in our life that suddenly we don't want to contaminate this body anymore. So the desire to smoke leaves. Yeah. Don't want to kill brain cells anymore with alcohol. Suddenly the desire to drink leaves. That's right. And the man who's unfaithful to his wife, suddenly he doesn't want to be unfaithful to his wife anymore. That's sanctification. God takes all of these things out of you and when you, when you in, rejoice in the treasure of justification, you're willing to recognize that greater than is here when somebody shows you there's a, what the Methodists call the second work of grace right. in, in a believer's life whereby, whereby you can be cleansed from the desire to sin. So I, what I see, Jeff, is that these treasures are continually being presented Every age has an opportunity to find a treasure in a field. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because God is doing something special. And, and therefore, to strictly look to the historical truths of uh, Jesus at Calvary. Right. Which we absolutely must sure, believe. Because sure. that's the first treasure we've got to find is yeah, that one. But it is but the it, first but, one. But it's almost, uh, pardon the worldly term, but it's almost like the children on an Easter egg hunt, right. when they find one egg, they're not happy till they find the next egg. That's right. And God has got these treasures hidden. He does. And so we find our justification by faith and then sanctification. But God didn't stop there. No. And so let me, I'm deterring you off of your, yeah, your, no. your subject. So just go ahead, if you don't mind, on your hidden treasure, oh, yeah. well, your comparisons. Beautiful, because what we're trying to show is, is that there's a treasure in every age and that this wasn't just given to one age, referring to a treasure, which was, let's say, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died, rose again. Um, that was uh, a treasure for their day, of which they embraced and we embrace. But God is giving a test to every generation. Can they receive the word of their day? And in doing so, they have to forsake the status quo. Oh, yeah, that's it. Y you think of Joseph of Arimathea, who, bought, the Bible says, boldly, asked for the body of Jesus before Pilate. And this man was a Pharisee, but he came to Jesus by night because he was afraid to come by day because of his, uh, his partnership with the Pharisees and he was a colleague with the religious leaders. But yet he was willing to forsake all because he found a treasure in Jesus. Well, that, that didn't stop. I mean, think of all the Catholics that had to leave Catholicism that were willing to leave Catholicism because they found a treasure in Luther. Or they were willing to leave not so much the Lutheran faith. They took the truth of Luther with them. Mm -hmm. But there was more truth to receive the treasure of Wesley. And so to, it would be foolhardy. It would be, it, was, it would be wrong theology to think that all we have to do is serve a God of history. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that was the treasure in the field for that day. But we don't have... There's no treasure in the field for our day. This is what I'm trying to show is that the principle of God is, is every generation has a treasure in a field. And then that generation then 
every heart of mankind that's born of that generation, they all have a thirst, but they'll maybe try to quench it with smoking or drinking or carousing, or maybe even try to quench it with something even more, in a sense, deceiving, and that's religion itself. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe how many people I've met who, who, will, who will not leave their church fellowship because they like the community, they like mm-hmm. the fellowship. Mm-hmm. When, when their church is marrying homosexuals, when their church is ordaining women preachers, when their church is denying the oneness of God, when the church is allowing sin to come into the church, but because of fellowship in that church, they won't move on to seek, to, seek, to walk through that field to see if there's a treasure. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times they don't move on because they don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what God does is He says, go ahead, walk through the field. The field represents the sphere of religion. They begin to walk through the field and they find the treasure. As the woman at the well stumbled upon Jesus, Jesus didn't stumble upon her. Right. She stumbled upon Him. It was the divine will of God. He had needs to go by Samaria. But she, a prostitute, said, we know when Messiah cometh, He'll do these things. So there was something down in her and what did she do? She dropped her water pot, ran into the city, come see a man that's told me everything that I've ever done. Isn't this the Messiah? She was willing to forsake everything. In fact, at that point, nothing mattered. This man fulfilled scripture. This man walked right out of the pages of prophecy. I believe he's the Messiah. They would have ridiculed her. All of her friends and associates may have said she was a nut, but she had found a treasure and was willing to leave and the scripture says, and I believe I've got it here, and we'll just maybe perhaps read it. It's in Luke chapter 14. And I'll just paraphrase it because we're not going to have time to read it, but you can read it there at your house. It's Luke chapter 14, 15 through 27. And Jesus is saying to the disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, unless you hate, it's a strong word, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, and your wife, you hate them, and leave them to follow me, you can in no wise be my disciple, unless you take up your cross and follow me. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you have to forsake one thing to take hold of another thing. Now, obviously, he wasn't asking us, I'm, your, I'm, I'm Jeff Jenkins, you're Lonnie Jenkins. He's not asking me to hate you in the sense of despise you. What he's asked me to do is to regard God more than any mm, other earthly yes, affiliation. Right. So that God is asking us, when, he, when we find the treasure, He's saying, now, are you willing to sell all to buy this treasure? Now you say, oh, well, that's great. The treasure's Jesus. But it's Jesus in every age. It was Jesus in Luther. But what if you're a Catholic? Will you be willing to receive Luther's truth? It's a truth. I've had how many times people say to me, but that's not in the Baptist doctrine or that's not in the Lutheran doctrine. But what if it's in the Bible? Are they willing to forsake the teaching of their church. Joseph of Arimathea had to do it. The disciples had to do it. Luther and the millions that followed him had to do it. God challenges every age, and it's no different in the 21st century, 2006. God is doing awesome, wonderful, powerful things in our day, supernatural things in our day. And we're gonna talk more about that. You you might ask yourself this question then. Why doesn't God just come out and plainly declare truth. I mean, make it so vivid and so clear that it couldn't be disputed. Okay, look, hold your thought, if yeah, you would. No, yeah. don't, don't lose it. My, my mind is still going through church, right. church ages. Good. And, and you, you said that to the woman at the well in yeah. John 4, mm-hmm. that, that to her, she stumbled on this Jew at the well. 
and right. found out it was the Messiah. Exactly. But from the heavenly point of view, rather, Jesus said, I have needs to go by Samaria because God knew there was one of his children there. There you go. All right? Yep. So we, if we go through Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3 of those seven churches of Asia, we find that in every single age, it begins to close out with he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches and to him that overcometh, and he makes a promise. And so consequently, there, uh, there, there is something that God has delivered to earth that uh, yeah. we stumble across. Right. But God knows what it is because he said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Right. But we know what the Bible says. Our mind is alienated with God. We're enemies with exactly. God in our hearts. So consequently, what that means is if anybody is going to hear, God has to predestinate there someone to hear. Oh, yes. So that's, that woman in John 4, she was a predestinated seed of God and she needed to hear the truth right. to find the transforming power. Yep. So Jesus had to go by way of Samaria yep. to reach that seed of God. How beautiful. Okay, and so then here we are now in every church age, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church in the age that he's speaking in. There you go. And so consequently then with every age, there, the Spirit speaks. Yeah. And But those that God has, if I may use the loose term, pre-wired yes. to hear the message of their day, they'll be like the woman at the well uh, well, we know when Messiah comes, he'll go. do these things. And so consequently, then there is a people that say, I hear it. And though it's new to my ears, somehow down in my heart, I feel like I've always known this. Exactly. Because there's something of a seed of God that will recognize what God is doing in their day when they hear it. Amen. And now, based on the woman at the well, yeah. God is obligated to see to it that the word of the hour. Yeah crosses the path of every elect seed. Amen. He is not obligated to see that every human on earth hears. That's right. But he's obligated to see to it that every one of his seed, his seed, children of God, that's right. will hear it. And that, that was why when he talked to the Sadducees and Pharisees, and you referred to it in yeah. John, I think it's chapter 8. Yeah. And, and they were trying to get, pull something out of Jesus and he told them, you have your father the devil. Yeah. And they said, oh, oh no. And they denied it in their own way. But then he says, my word has no place in you. Yeah. So we find a great place, a great portion of humanity, God's word has no place in them. Right. They're, they're not interested in God. They're interested in being religious. Yep. And they can love their church. And we're not anti-church. That's not the idea. No. If your church is preaching the word, stay with, the, stay with your church. But you if bet. your church is not preaching the word, then find a church that is preaching the there word. There you go. And, but because we're, we're going, Adam and Eve fell from the word. And, and God in every age is testing the people with the word. And so therefore it is not church affiliation, though no. we believe in going to church because God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves so much the more so as you see the day approaching. But, but so it's not the idea of church, it's the idea of where is the word being preached. We want to sit under that fountain of the pure word and yep. then the transforming power is there. There's a treasure, but now can you find it? We're there gonna, you go. And our whole, our whole purpose of this broadcast is to help you find the treasure that's in the field. Beautiful. Excuse me for stumping. Go oh, ahead. No, no. I, it's, it's right in line with what, with what our thought is okay. today. So beautifully. Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. Jesus yeah. said that. Right. Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. 
I pray for them that are mine in the world. Yeah, that's so right. people who have this all-inclusive religion, it's very humanistic to say that, well, all of mankind, in a sense, is savable. Jesus said, I don't even pray for the world. Yeah. I pray for them that are mine in the world. In, in Acts, it says, and as many as were ordained believed. Yeah. It did not say as many as believed were ordained. Right, correct. So they had to have the ability to believe the Word of God, and they had to be ordained to begin so begin with. So in, the ability to believe the Word of God proves that you were ordained to begin with. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Yeah. And that's the real concept there of as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And that, that's, that's true in every age. And friends, if, as we talk to you and we bring the Word to you, if there's something speaking to you in your heart, if I were you, I would accept that's ordination. I want to find this great treasure. You do. Yeah. And you want to continue to seek and to serve God. And, and the woman at the well, for instance, I mean, I guarantee you there was something down inside of her that says, I'm just so, I'm so empty. Yeah. I'm so dissatisfied. I'm, and when Jesus began to speak to her, instantly she said, we know when Messiah cometh. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to know, where, did, where does we know? Who taught her? Where did she get this? She's not a Jew. She's a Samaritan. She's not allowed to go to the synagogue. She's, she's in the in-between group. Where did she get this idea we know when Messiah cometh. I believe that she opened her Bible. She saw uh, when the scripture says, the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet likened unto me. She saw that Moses was saying in prophecy that God's going to raise up a prophet like Moses and, and he'll be the Messiah. Well, Moses, we, you know, this Jesus discerned the thoughts and intents of her heart. You have five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. So this began to quicken something on the inside of her. The fact is, is we're not going to have time to finish this thought. We're going to carry on another broadcast because this is just so awesome. We're going we're to ask the question now, wh why won't Jesus, why doesn't God make it as plain as day, as clear as crystal clear water as to what his truth is? The answer is, is he wants you to seek. There's a treasure hidden in the field, but do you have a desire to set aside everything in the periphery all friends, relationships, associates, to seek God with all of your heart. See, God says, He that seeks me with all of his heart shall be found of me, but you have to desire God. God bless you. Many times people write in to us and question, why are some of the things you're bringing out not more clearly shown in Scripture? Because the scriptural pattern is, Jesus said in Luke 10, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast hidden these things from the eyes of wise and prudent, but reveal them unto babes that are ready to learn. And I hope, friends, you're ready to learn. We're trying to bring you that level of understanding to see what God is doing. audio file of Brother William Branham's life story is available for download on our website. Visit globalanswers.us and click on the downloads link toward the top of the page. Today's program called A Treasure Hidden is available as always on DVD and may be ordered by clicking the resource center link on our website. You may also order by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 in the USA. Your feedback is very much appreciated. Please be sure to email questions or comments to info at globalanswers.us. Thank you for joining us and may the Lord Jesus Christ bless you.